Hello and thank you for tuning into the CSIS Cybersecurity Podcast Series. My name is Katrina Timlin and I am a Research Assistant with the Technology and Public Policy Program at CSIS. Today, John Gilligan, the President of the Gilligan Group, will speak about cybersecurity and cloud computing. Mr. Gilligan is a former CIO of both the Air Force and the Department of Energy. Recently, he was a member of the Obama-Biden Transition Review Teams, focused on information technology within the defense and intelligence communities. Mr. Gilligan, thanks for joining us. Katrina, glad to be here. What role does the Gilligan Group play in ensuring cybersecurity? Well, one of the things that the Gilligan Group does is uh, support various efforts um, that are involved with cybersecurity. So uh, it's mostly on a consulting basis that we provide support. Some organizations are moving to store their data remotely and rely on cloud computing. What kind of challenges does this present? Well, I think one of the challenges is that a cloud generally is a shared environment. And as a shared environment, um, you have the potential that there is uh, multiple uh, sensitivities of information, multiple organizations uh, information. And if, in fact, there is a compromise of that information, then there is a more significant damage that could be affected um, by attacking just one instance, in this case, the cloud. Mm-hmm. So is the shared environment inherently, inherently riskier than local storage in this respect? Well, in some respects, there is some additional risk. It's offset in in other respects by the fact that uh, a cloud environment also gives you the potential of providing some protection that's more difficult in a local environment. And one of the the cloud um, techniques that uh, that is afforded is use of virtualization. And virtualization basically allows you to put a layer, a buffer, if you will, a barrier between the users and the actual processing and storage in the cloud environment. And that gives you a potential of getting a much more secure environment because you can focus the security and the virtualization at that interface with the user as opposed to in a local environment where you have many, many points of contact that is much more difficult to affect that type of security control. Great. Uh, the administration has coined the term cloud first as their approach to federal IT policy. Will this have an effect on government efficiency and deficit reduction? Well, I think the, the cloud um, concept provides a, a wonderful opportunity to get additional efficiency. And the efficiency results from the fact that you can get common computing environments, you get the economy of scale of very large uh, data processing and storage environments, and as a result, you get very significant cost savings. Now, one of the other objectives would be is as you drive to the cloud, you also reduce the variation in the different types of computing environments, the different types of operating systems and uh, other um, environments that you're currently supporting that also gives you additional uh, cost efficiency. So, yeah, the the efficiency opportunities in the cloud are very significant, and uh, so the strategy of going to the cloud is a very wise one. Hmm. Cybercrime is continuously adapting, using new technologies and methods of infiltration. How can governments defend their systems and timely counter this evolving threat? Well, I mean, what you ask is a very difficult question. It's sort of the... the, uh, you know, the big question that uh, all organizations are facing. So what, rather than trying to be comprehensive, what I would say is I, I think in the short term, the focus of organizations really needs to be on better management 
and better control of their environments. And in that regard, there are a number of techniques that can be used, um, such as ensuring that your configurations um, that of your hardware and software systems are in fact um, enforcing security principles. It sounds so simple, but in fact that is the most common avenue that exploiters, uh, attackers uh, would penetrate. Um, and so with that, um, you know, uh, doing just asset inventory um, and ensuring that you know what is connected with regard to hardware and software, um, using automated tools, there is a, uh, now a, a very good set of automated tools that are available to organizations to be able to uh, monitor um, the systems and the network with regard to compliance with security principles, configurations, and to alert if in case there, there are anomalies. So I think that the set of techniques that I would encourage organizations to do, I kind of lump them under good hygiene. You know, better manage the environments, understand what capabilities and uh, systems you have. Um, as patches and updates come, ensure that they are um, deployed quickly and deployed, uh, you know, uniformly across the entire enterprise. I think that's what I would encourage as sort of the first step because that allows you to address a lot of sort of what I would call the routine attacks that are perpetrated against our systems and networks on a daily basis. Some would estimate that, that they, the percentage is about 80% that you can effectively counter with sort of these good hygiene practices. Uh, one of the things that I and a number of others have been endorsing is a, is a concept that's embodied in a um, paper that's called the 20 Critical Controls for Effective Cyber Defense. And the, the concept there is really that there is a small set of focus areas, the 20 critical controls, that would allow you to address what, uh, what I'm describing as this good hygiene, good set of practices. Mm -hmm. And with these 20 critical controls, do you feel there needs to be um, an overarching initiative to make the procurement of these, um, these patches faster and widely applied over all sets of all the different government agencies? Yeah, I think, I think that would be a wise thing is that as we buy systems, that we establish the relationships with the providers of the systems that as flaws are discovered, as patches are identified, that those patches are provided um, in a very rapid fashion, and then we have automated means of disseminating them so that we can respond very rapidly to recognize vulnerabilities or attacks and to be able to maintain, you know, a very safe operating environment. Mm -hmm. And what are the unique challenges securing this government cloud as opposed to securing um, other cloud networks with private companies? Well, I think in many respects they're very similar. I would say the one difference that I would highlight is that a, a public organization has a different constituency, and that constituency is the American public. And so the public's confidence in how the government is operating is a key uh, factor in determining the effectiveness of government. And so as the government would embrace and begin to utilize cloud computing, if in fact there is a security breach, um, it becomes a uh, potential for a loss of public confidence in how the government is managing and as we talked earlier, with the potential that it's not just a small um, set of information that is being um, 
you know, supported by the cloud, that it potentially is a much larger set of information, then the potential consequences could be quite large. And even though that might not have a large financial impact, which might have been of a greater concern to the private sector, um, it could be something that would erode confidence in the ability of government to be able to protect sensitive information to perform essential services, et cetera. Mr. Gilligan, thanks for joining us. And thank you for tuning into the CSIS Cybersecurity Podcast Series. To listen to more, visit us at CSIS.org or at CSIS iTunes U.